Stephanie L. Harrison, and you are now listening in to Inside Beauty Inspires, where we motivate, encourage, and inspire through biblical principles. I have enjoyed getting into the studio, listening to the Word. I've enjoyed getting into the Word, and I'm so excited about what God is doing this season. In 2024, we're all supposed to soar, but how are we going to soar if we don't have wisdom? How are we going to get to that next level if we're not allowing the Father to lead? You know, again, I tell you, God gave me um, this, he told me, Stephanie, I want you to give insight to my sight. What does that mean? Well, God has a sight. He has insight. But if we're not looking for him, if we're not seeking his face, how will we know? There's a world's way of doing things and there's God's way of doing things. And you want to know the difference. And the only way you're going to know the difference is when you get into the word of God. The word of God is so powerful. It's like a double-edged sword, okay? The word is power. There's life and death in the power of your tongue. That lets us know right there that the words that we speak have power. So let's just jump into the word for today. I'm going to go into my devotional. Instead of reading from the devotional that I typically read from, I'm going to take it from a different a different devotional. So this says security in God's promise. Security in God's promise. How many of us want to be secure? When it comes down to the promises that God has for us. I know I do. This is the scripture that it gives. I declare from the beginning how it will end and foretell from the start what has not yet happened. I decree that my purpose will stand and I will fulfill my every plan. That's Isaiah 46 verse 10. So again, the father is letting us know exactly how this thing is going to end. He's letting us know that he will fulfill every plan. And that is his promise. You know, we've been reading on the prayer call. Shout out to the ladies of ISI. We get up each and every morning, 6 a.m. We have Bible studies. I love it there. There's so much insight on the things that we've been studying. The book that we've been in for the month of February has been the book of Revelations. Boy, oh boy. there That book has some things packed in it. And what I'm realizing and understanding is um, just us going through the book of Revelation is giving us insight on what the Father says and what he means and and the scriptures itself, you know, all throughout Revelation so far, we see that we can go back and cross-reference, like even Isaiah, he's a prophet, um, Elijah. We can go back and we can pinpoint Jesus. These are some of the things that have already been take, have already been spoken of. And so when we get to Revelations, we see it all come together. So there is a promise, and you do want to be on the right side of that promise. Let's, let's take a look at what this word says here. It says, we change our minds Every single day, sometimes multiple times throughout the day. That's a true statement. People are fickle, okay? As human beings, God has made us wonderfully complex for sure. And that complexity often makes us indecisive. How many of you are indecisive? How many of you change your mind? I mean, one minute you feel this way, the next minute you don't. It's common. It's common. And in a world full of options, definitely common, you know, we think about everything weighing the pros and the cons, and we evaluate the likelihood of outcomes and possibilities, but God doesn't think or operate the way that we do. To the contrary, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. In order for us to believe the promises of God, we have to first trust the character, the nature, and the unchanging essence of God. When God promises, he proves, he provides. 
and he follows through. Always follows through. Always follows through. On And we don't know the day nor the hour, but we can look at each other's lives, and your life will be evident of whether you're using wisdom to navigate your world. You know, again, we were in the book of Proverbs for the month of January, and all throughout um, Proverbs, there's just, just straight wisdom, 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 wisdom. And we need wisdom to navigate this world that we're in. It says here, every purpose he has for you will stand. It cannot be thwarted. And every element of his plan will be fulfilled. How? Well, that's part. that part is none of our business. And, and it really isn't because, you know, the problem is that we want to put, we want to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. And the truth of the matter is we have to trust God. Our job is to believe, to be obedient, and to step when and wherever he steers. This is a season that is going to require you to believe the promises of God like never before. You believe the blessings into being. It's security in believing in his words. There's security in trusting in his father, in your father. There's security trusting in his son. We don't know all there is to know, but we do know the author. We do know the alpha. We do know the omega. We do know that it is going to happen the way that the Lord says. I want you guys to take into account, and I want you to think about something this, this weekend or this week. What promise or whispers from God have you struggled to believe will actually come to fruition? A lot of times we don't know whether it's going to come to fruition or not because we don't see it. If I can be honest, you know, growing up in the church, you know, there's a lot of faith, okay? There's faith, belief, you know, believing in something that you can't see. But a lot of times we didn't see the faith actually in action. You know, um, we go to church on Sunday, and then on Monday through Friday through Saturday, live any kind of way, not being conscious of our reality or what we're thinking or what we're saying. And then we go back to church on Sunday, and we start over again. But how many of you know that it's important to seek God's face every day? How many of you know that it's important to meditate on the word day and night? Well, that's what the Scripture tells us. It's true. He said, those whose minds are stayed on him, he keeps in perfect peace. I know this to be true because I love my peace. I love peace. And the only person that gives us that peace of mind is our Father. When we allow it, there is security in God's promises and his plans. You know, I, I want to take the time out to just thank him for being a secure place for just me, for not just for me, but for, for my listeners to invest our trust and heart's desires in him. He's unchanging, and he means what he says, and he says what he means. And I'm praying that we align our thoughts and our will and our purpose with the plans that he has for us. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to jump into the book of Jude today, the book of Jude. And the reason why I want to jump into the book of Jude today is because, number one, it's a very short chapter. It's, it's, very, it's only one chapter, but it's the book right before Revelations. So I find it interesting to know what the Father's, um, what, you know, what is he thinking when it comes down to giving us um, this book prior to the book of Revelations. So let's get in the book of Jude, J-U-D-E. If you guys are following along, I'm in the New Living Translation. This is what it reads. Before I jump into the scripture, let me just jump into this. It says, God will punish, God will judge and punish all evil. Okay. From cover to cover, the Bible testifies to this fact. At times, however, it may appear that evil prospers and wickedness prevails. Evil doers include the false teachers who were battling the church during the first century of its, of its existence. Jude earnestly wrote to the church to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. The gospel message is irrevocable. 
and truth. God in his kindness gave his word to the apostles, which testified to the nature of God and his work through Jesus Christ. False teachers undermined this message, distorting its meaning and leading the church astray. Jude reminds the church that God will judge these deceivers. God has already demonstrated his judgment in the condemnation of the devil, the chief deceiver himself. Since God has judged Satan, he will also pour out his wrath on all those who deceived God's people. Now listen, this is such a true statement, man. And I think I think that us I think we need to know this as his people. We need to understand, okay? It says the church, however, should not be surprised when false teachers continue to harm the church, and they should expect that some will be led astray. They will follow after their own passions, rebel against God's word, and bring upon themselves the condemnation of God. In contrast, God's church will be sustained by the grace of God. Believers should build one another up in Christ and keep themselves in the love of God. The mercy of God protects those who truly know Christ and sustains them in the gospel message and faithful obedience in the face of outward hostility. Jesus keeps his people from stumbling and will present them faultless, faultless one day. Jesus' message is an encouraging, is an encouragement that truth will prevail. The deception of false teachers will be exposed and they will be judged in God's time, in God's way. The hypocrisy of false converts will also be exposed. They will leave the church and prove they were never truly converted. And the true church will be sustained by the grace of God. Those who truly have been saved by his might will be kept by his power until the time when the earth is purified from all falsehood forever. This is true. This is true. Okay, for me, I'm getting into the word and I'm learning the truth of the matter is that God is who he says he is and his word will not return void. The more that we get into this word, the more we see that it's not going to return void. So, of course, I have. We're going to get into it and we're going to study it. Why? Because you know I have my commentary here and I want us to be able to go back and forth with what the word says. OK, so here we go. Verse one. It says, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God, the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. So he's talking to the believers, the believers of today's age, okay? He says, I'm writing to all who have been called by God, the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. It says, may God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. So straight up in the commentary, it says the author Jude was a brother of James and a half brother of Jesus. But like Paul, Jude saw himself as a servant of Jesus Christ and radically submitted to his lordship. He prays that God would give the readers his best mercy, peace and love. So he's coming out the gate saying that this is what I'm asking God to give you more. of. How many of us need more mercy, more peace and how many of us need more love? Okay. Let's go to verse 3. It says, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write you, write to you about the salvation we share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have warmed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. For they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. 
they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So essentially, why is Jude writing? Jude is writing because he's eager to write to the recipients about their salvation, but changed his mind and instead wrote to us about the contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. Jude then was open to the Holy Spirit's adjustment of his plans so he could address something urgent that came up. He wants believers to energetically contend for the faith, that is, for the body of scripturally based doctrine, that is, to be the authoritative guide for our belief and practice. Believers are to wage a battle on behalf of the true faith, as deposited in God's erinent word. This is vital because ungodly men who were prophesied by Peter had come in by stealth, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ. Okay. False teachers had crept into the church, masquerading as authentic followers of Christ. But they were deceivers. They rebelled against Christ's lordship over their lifestyle. If there is anything the New Testament emphasizes, it is that grace teaches us to live better than those in the world do, not worse. Yet, these teachers, these false teachers turned grace into something it was never meant to be, an excuse for sin. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Let's look at what the Word of God says, okay? Go to Luke chapter 6 for me. Go to Luke chapter 6. So I want you guys to follow along with me because this is going to be a pretty intense study, but I, I know that it's important for us to get this Word in us, okay? So Luke 6. This is what Luke 6 says. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husk in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, Haven't you read in the scriptures that David did what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the Son of Man is Lord, even on the, even over the Sabbath. Verse 6, on another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in a synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed a man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Now, again, why were they upset? Jesus came on the scene healing. Jesus came on the scene about the life that they supposed to have been about, and they weren't doing what Jesus was doing. In short, they were offended. Oh, yes, people will get offended. And see, that's one thing that, you know, you can't take away from people who really are believers of Christ because he said in his word, he'll never put those to shame who trust him, okay? So you got Jesus on the scene, and he chooses 12 apostles. Let's keep reading Luke 6, verse 12. One day soon after Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples and chose 12 of them to be the apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, and Judas Issachar. Verse 17, 
When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level around area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judah and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tri and Sidon. They had come come to hear they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing powers went out from him, and he healed everyone. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. Flag on the play. Now, of course, it doesn't make sense to do all of the things that the father is telling us. I'm sorry that his son is saying. But this is very true. The more you get into the word, the more you see how true it is. Okay. People will hate you, exclude you, mock you, curse you, and say that you're evil. How do I know this is true? They do it to me. I'm a precipitant. (laughs) Tag your it. (laughs) So the father tells me to count it all joy when this happens. And that's exactly what I do because there is a great reward that awaits me because listen, they treat, they treated the ancestors, treated the ancient prophets the same way. So what difference will it make with me and what difference did it make with Jesus? Keep going. Verse 24, what sorrow awaits you who are rich for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you? who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Verse 27, But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks when things are taken away from you. Don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. 35. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. But wait, there's more. Verse 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will be, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. You get back. Then Jesus gave the following instructions: Can one blind person lead another? Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teachers, but the students who are fully trained will become like the teacher, 
And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of that log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now, I could easily stop right there, but I do want to keep going because I want you guys to get the point of me even going to Luke verse chapter 6. The point of me going to Luke chapter 6 was what I'm about to read now. It says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So, again, we can play this game with God if we want to, but it's vital that we don't. Listen. His words will not return void, okay? His word will not return void. When we go over here and we get back into the book of Jude, it's talking. The reason why he switched it is because he wants to let us know how real it is, okay? This is a very real thing. False, false, teacher have, false teachers have crept into the church masquerading as authentic followers of Christ. Why does the word tell us to have wisdom? So that you'll know the difference between who sent who this is very very real go to second corinthians real quick before we jump back into jude chapter five i mean verse five chapter one verse five second corinthians chapter 11 i hope you'll put up with a little more of my foolishness please bear with me for i am jealous for you with the jealousy of god himself i promised you as a prayer bride to one husband christ but i fear that somehow your prayer and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupt, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you, in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. And when I was with you, didn't I have, didn't and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. But the brothers who came from me, from us, sorry, from the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you and I never will. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you. God knows that I do. But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. 
They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I'm going to say that again. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. In the end, they will get the wicked, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Okay. Again, it is written. It is written. Let's go to Romans 6. Well then, Romans 6. Well then, shall we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten what, that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will, we, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to evil of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Under the freedom of God's grace. Do we believe this? It is true. It is written. And we can't we can go back and forth about it, but when you get into the word, the word is what it is. You can't change it, you can't divide it, it'll never return void. And and, and you can test it, I can promise you, it will not return void. I know because I read it. So of course Jude is coming in right before we go into the book of Revelations, letting us know. Number one, you need wisdom because there are deceivers in this world, okay? There are deceivers. That's why the New Testament emphasizes that it is grace that teaches us to live better than those in the world, not worse. But the false teachers turned grace into something it was never meant to be. And that's why I wanted to go to Romans 6 to, to, to illustrate that. Let's go back to Jude chapter 1, verse 5. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority. God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prison of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. We have a whole illustration. That's why I'm, listen, that's why it's important to get into the word because when you get into the word, you start to see it for what it is, okay? 
you really start to, like, if you read from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you see God's wrath. You see that God doesn't play. Again, I always like to insert this in there. The first sign of wisdom is to fear God. The problem is there's nobody fearing God. I fear him. I have a healthy fear for God because I know that he is who he says he is. Okay. You know, the scriptures are are being fulfilled. If you look at the world today, we are living in the last days. So Jude provides some illustrations here. He reminds the readers of past rebels who were like the false teachers, emphasizing that became what became of them. Through the Lord, though the Lord saved people out of Egypt, only Joshua and Caleb entered the promised land. God destroyed those who did not believe. He also points to the angel, the angelic rebellion. Lucifer led people, led the angels and was followed by angels who abandoned their proper dwelling. Now they're kept in eternal chains for judgment. His third illustration is the sexual immorality of Sodom and Gomorrah. God's judgment on these cities is an example of the eternal fire that will fall on those who legitimize legitimize evil. We got to pay. Oh, we're going to pay the pipe, whether we believe it or not. You read what you sow, you know. And that's why I feel like it's important to get into this word so that you can know. Think about the people that are walking around that do not act like God exists, living the way they want to live, doing what they want to do, and wondering why life is lifing. Life lives for all of us, right? But choose your heart because I can guarantee you it's not easy. You know, when you walking in the word and you living in the word, oh, you get fought against, you get um, lies, accusations, but these are the things that are promised to us. If you go to Luke 6, it's written. So none of those things this should surprise any of us. I done got to a place now in my life where I don't even go back and forth. I don't argue. I don't fight. I don't do nothing. I let God do the fighting for me. I'm not going to fight and go back and forth with people. When you know who you are and whose you are, when you know you sent, has anyone ever been sent in your life? Think about it. Jesus was sent, and everybody did not believe him. They actually thought he was a joke, except for Nicodemus. Except for many people who believe, but the reason why I said Nicodemus is because when Nicodemus went to Jesus by what? Night. He couldn't go to him in the daylight. Mm, That's a word. Let's keep going. Verse 8. Jude, verse 8. Chapter 1, verse 8. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. So again, you get into this word, you'd be like, wait, what? Yeah, it's written. Verse 10, but these people scoffed at things they do not understand, like unthinking animals. They do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Blam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. Now, did you did you, did you you just hear what I said? You know, but these people scoff. People criticize things they don't understand. That's essentially saying the same thing. When people don't understand, they, they talk about it, right? And then he compares it to animals, like unthinking animals. They do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destructions. That's that's foolish. Okay, when we get into the book of Proverbs, we see the foolish person and we see the wise person. Even in the book of Matthew, I believe it's Matthew twenty-five. It talks about the ten bridesmaids. Ten, five were foolish, five were wise. Okay, so in this world, what this word is letting me know is that you have people that are full of wisdom and you have people that are full of foolishness. Okay, 
They don't think about their actions. They do whatever they feel like doing when they want to do it. But I'm here to tell you that we will all give an account. We will all give an account. You know, what what, what this is bringing me to, and I'm going to get back to the scripture, but, you know, there's something that's um, uh, viral on TikTok. It's Risa, Risa, Tisa, Tisa. And I really didn't get into the whole, um, I, I didn't read a whole lot about her. I believe it's Risa Tisa. I didn't listen to a whole lot of of her different episodes, her parts. But, you know, I listened as they um, come up on my phone. And till I got to one uh, of her postings, one of her parts. And this is what this young lady said, you know. She said, I wanted to be married. I wanted a husband. I wanted everything. And so, in other words, she tried to create it. Do you not know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy? And in one of his native languages is that he is a liar. So she goes on to talk about her ex-husband, um, who was a habitual liar. As I was listening to her, I found it interesting that all he did was tell lies. And she allowed it because she was creating the narrative that she wanted to believe. She created, He created it. She created it, too. They both created it together because she believed him. She missed the red flags. And were the red flags there? Absolutely. But the thing about it is when you don't wait for God to do these things, you try to fix things yourself. This is a message for the world. Okay. Stop trying to do it yourself. God is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a helper. That's why Jesus died on the cross so that the helper would come. That's why the word says those who believe shall not perish but have everlasting life. I waited for my husband. I wrote. I wrote it down. I made it plain. 2016. 2016, I didn't know how, when, where. But I wrote the vision, Habakkuk 2-2. I did that. I waited. I didn't try to create. I waited for God to bring. When God does it, it's easy. This girl went through so many traumatic moments in her life from a lie, from a man that and it was going to come out because she had a praying mother. She had a praying mother. Her tire even blew out on the way to see this man. So God is always speaking, whether we listen to him or not. The red flags are there, and especially if you're calling out to him. But if you refuse to listen, then we'll, we'll be watching another episode or something else. But it won't, won't be Reese Tisa. It'll be you telling on how the enemy plotted, planned to deal with it. He do. He'll still and destroy. He tried to. But I'm so glad that she told her story. I'm so glad that she came out and, you know, was open to the world about the things that, you know, was going on in her life so that it would give other people, you know, and she said it. That's why she was telling her stories. If it could help one person, right? We overcome by the words of our testimonies. She's just doing what the word says. It's written. Now, we all have different experiences, right? But if we don't speak about these experiences, we don't tell people what's going on, how is the next person going to know how real God is? The reason why I feel like Inside Beauty Inspires is such an important piece of the puzzle is because I'm not fabricating anything. This is my life. Yes, seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6, and all these things shall be added. God gave me everything that I have because I seeked him first in everything. When you seek God first and you put him first, you're gonna life hits different. But it doesn't hit different for those who don't. They go through some of the similar things. And I thank her for just having the uh, courage to speak out and, and give the world a synopsis on what goes on. 
behind closed doors because people, they do. They want to be married. They, you know, want to be in a relationship, but you don't want to be in a relationship with somebody that God didn't ordain. Some of us are in relationships now because we wanted to create the narrative. Now it's like, okay, oh my God, how do we get back? How do we get back? You got to talk to your father about it. He knows how to navigate. He knows how to put you in the right places. But the truth of the matter is we get into these things because we try to create without God. God is essential in every part of our, in every aspect of our lives, whether you believe that or not. I even used the song Luther Vandross, Wait for Love. That was the song that I came down to Alpha because I wanted to make, I wanted to make the, um, the difference. I wanted to let people to know, like, let people know that if you wait for God to do it, it's going to be the way it's supposed to be. But if you keep trying to create it, it will be a false narrative and you will end up having to pay for it in the long run. This is just to save heartache and pain. If you haven't asked God, if you haven't been adding him to the equation of your life, today is a new start. Start asking him to navigate your steps. Start asking God to order your steps and watch him do it. Start seeking his face. You don't have to know all there is to know about the word of God. I don't know all there is to know, but I study. I seek his face. I get into the word because I know that he's real. Guess what it says in Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you unsearchable things that you do not know. I don't have to go to anybody when I can go to the Father. It's written. I'm sorry to mean to go off on a tangent, but I really want you guys to understand how important it is to get into the Word so it can save you a lot of heartache and pain. It says the Scripture instructs us to obey the legitimate authorities appointed over us, but false teachers reject authority. In this case, they were accountable. There were no. They were accountable to no one but themselves. Moreover, the group would the group would slander glorious ones. Jude illustrates this with an account of dispute over Moses' body between the archangel, the archangel and the devil. Michael refused to utter a slanderous condemnation against Satan, but said, The Lord rebuke you. The false teachers, by contrast, didn't understand how spiritual warfare works. They lived in a dream world, out of touch with spiritual reality. They blasphemy rather than invoking the Lord like Michael did. Why? They didn't understand that Satan is not to be taken lightly. Instead, they were like irrational animals who only operated by instinct. Jude compares them to Cain, who gave a bloodless offering, and Blam, who only ministered for money, and Korah, who rejected the authority of God's word. For rebelling against spiritual authority, all of them were judged. You do know we're all going to go before the Lord. Every last one of us. We all. That's what I'm saying. Like There's a song that says, sweep around your own front door before you come over here trying to sweep around mine. And I believe that is a real song, and I swear to it. Why? Because it's true. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to get a speck out of somebody's eye when you got a whole log in yours. Come on now. It's true. False teachers and judgment are real things. Illustrations of past rebels are real things. If we get into the word, we get to see it for ourselves. And, you know, this Risa Tisa thing is new to everyone because it's it's this it's a new thing. You know, first we had, uh, what's his face? Um, what's a little short man, the comedian? Um, Y'all know what I'm trying to say. It's not coming to me right now. But anyway, he came out with the whole truth, you know. Cat Williams. Cat Williams, we had Cat Williams come out with the truth. He's, he's just bringing it out. This is what my truth, and I'm standing in my truth. But one thing that's interesting about 2024 and about these people that are opening up their mouths, okay, even with Cat Williams, Cat Williams said something that was very interesting to me. 
He said, what do you think God thinks about me adopting children and teaching them and giving them a better life than they had? I just wanted Jesus to be my best friend. So I left home when I was, what, 12 years old? Because Jesus left when he was 13. I mean, he read the word of God. He just he just did what the word of God said. He didn't want to get caught up in the world. So he chose to not get up caught up in the world. People, people get mad when you don't go the way they want you to go. That's why it's important to get into the word so that you know who is who. If you don't, then you won't you won't know and you can be deceived for real. The enemy comes as a light, an angel of light. Okay. This man that came into that life, he appeared as an angel of light, paying all the bills, doing everything for her, but he was a liar, a deceiver. Okay. That is the enemy's native language. Somebody pay attention to what the word of God is saying. We have a whole blueprint. This Bible is just that. And if you get into it, he will navigate your world. He will show you which ways to go. But if you neglect it and act like it's not what it says it is, then you can't be surprised about the things that are going on in your life. You just can't. There's no other way around it. You know, um, one, on one thing about me and the ladies of ISI, you know, I can't speak for every last one of those ladies, okay? But I can speak for majority of them. We take God serious. We really do. You can't play with the word of God. Why? Why would you want? Why would you want to? We're all going to give an account. We don't know the day. We don't know the day nor the hour when he's returning. But I know he has me in the book of Revelations for a reason. Because he is coming back. And he will judge. And guess what? A lot of issues that we have are in our hearts. And I'm sick and tired of the church trying to say, oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. Cross this T, dot this. I know. You need to get in your word and talk to Father God about it so he can help clean out your heart. Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel talks about God giving a new heart. Does God give new hearts? Yes, he does. It's written in his word. And, you know, that's another thing. The more that you get into it, you know, secondhand information, that's all good. But what's secondhand information going to do for you when you're in a spiritual warfare? You think those scriptures are going to be the very same scriptures you're going to need to get you through? I can promise you they're not. You need the meat and potatoes. What's the meat and potatoes? Studying every day. Getting into your word every day. Seeking his face every day. Do it early. Do it early. Let's keep, let's keep going. Verse 12. Jude, verse 12. When these people eat with you in fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in the autumn that are doubtly dead, but they bear no fruit, have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. Now let's just focus in on 12 and 13 for a minute, okay? When these people eat with you in fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. It says here, Jude uses a variety of images to describe these heretics. These images are of nature and turmoil and distress. He says they are like dangerous reefs, which are hidden dangerous to ships. They are waterless clouds, putting on a big show as if they will relieve the spiritual parched, even though there is no substance behind what they say. My God. They are like fruitless trees that produce nothing of spiritual value. They are also akin to wild waves that foam up shameful deeds and like wandering stars that lead others astray. God takes false teachers seriously, and eternal darkness is reserved for them. See, you being a teacher of the word is not the place that you want to be, especially if you're not about your father's business, if you're not doing it for the father. God has a way that's mighty sweet, and the world will tell you to do it the opposite of his way. We're reading. We're reading about it. Let's keep going. Verse 14. 
It says, well, no, let's just go back up. It says, they are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They're like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They're like trees in the autumn that are doubtly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They're like wild waves of sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They're like wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. Jude says that Enoch prophesied about the Lord's coming judgment against them. Enoch was the man who walked with God in the midst of moral decay in the days of Noah and spoke of the coming judgment. It's written, it's in Genesis, Genesis chapter 5 to be exact. Verse 15, it says, Enoch, who, sorry, for, verse 14, Enoch who lived in the seventh generation after Adam prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves, and they flatter others to get what they want. Notice how many times Jude uses the word ungodly. They will be judged for their ungodly acts and ungodly way because they are ungodly sinners. They use their positions and their mouths to exploit others, flattering people for their own advantage and to satisfy their own lust. Thus, believers have to be on guard. Scripture warns us to test the spirits, to discern what is legitimate and what is not. If you are led by a blind teacher on spiritual matters, you will wind up fell, falling into a ditch with him. Go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit, if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear, my dear children. You have already won a victory over the, those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listens to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Now, again, it's in the Word, right? It is written in the Bible. When you look into the word, man, you cannot, there's no way to deceive it. It is literally written. It's written. That's how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in his love. 
God is love, and all who lives in love, in God, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we we'll, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have truly, we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. You do know there's a definition to love in the word, right? Mm-hmm. It sure is. It is. And it's the definition to love. It's in 1 Corinthians. I want to say chapter 4. Let me see. Sorry, it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter four, 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 uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love is patient. I'm sorry, chapter four, 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So again, love is what? Patient. Love is what? Kind. God is love. That's what it states in 1 John chapter 4. So we see this to be true. We see that the word of God is not going to return void because it is what it is. You know, we, we, we have to understand that the spirit, of love, the spirit of God will show us and, and let us see all things concerning him. So we're going to be able to know who sent who just based off of the scriptures. It's, it's written. It is written. Let's go back here, here to Jude verse 17. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there will be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. They follow their own natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. It says, remember what was predicted by the apostles. In other words, don't forget Apollos, Apollos, don't forget teaching. Don't forget, okay. Let me just back up. Remember what was predicted in the by the apostles. In other words, don't forget the teaching. For us, that means looking to the word of God, which the apostles wrote. They warned the believers, but they warned that believers would face scoffers, those who make a joke of the faith. Such people don't view life from a spiritual perspective, but create divisions, thus providing the devil with opportunities he wants. All Satan needs is a crack to slither through. So he can amplify problems causing disunity and hinder God's work. So some of the people are on their job. Some people are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Verse 20. But you, dear friends, must build up each other. You must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to steal others, but do so with great caution, hating the sin that contaminate their lives. So again, 
the Father is giving to us the way he's giving it to us the way that he wants us to work it. He wants us to to be able to uplift, encourage, and motivate other believers through what? The Word of God. The Word of God is what's going to show itself mighty in the land of the living. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we do this, we'll be safe in God's love for our lives. It says, what believers do to protect themselves? Jude makes several points. First, build yourself up in your most holy faith. That is, don't be static Christian. Don't be a static believer. Grow. If your son finished sixth grade and said, I'm done with school, you'll probably ask him if he's lost his mind. No matter what he had learned so far, it's insufficient to carry him through the end of life successfully. We need to grow spiritually by continually learning what God says and acting on it. Second, pray in the Holy Spirit. That is, pray with the spiritual mindset in the concert with God's desire and God's design based on God's word. Third, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting expectantly for the mercy of Jesus and for eternal life. In other words, live with an external perspective and a close relationship with the Lord. So again, he's giving it to us. He's showing us what we must do and how we must be towards one one another. It says not only must we grow in a relationship with the Lord, but we must also consider our relationship with the rest of God's family. We must have faith. We must have mercy on those who waver. Some believers struggle in their faith and need compassion. Others need to be aggressively snatched from the fire. That is redirected from the behavior or relationship that will burn them. But helping them, helping the latter will be wise. Hey, even the garment defiled by the flesh. As sure as clothing contaminated by a leaper's skin could infect you, helping others overcome their sinful tendencies could drag you down with them. Reject the sin, help the sinner. Reject the sin, help the sinner. We all know that we're born into it. We're born into it. We know this to be true. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, we're supposed to show mercy to one another. We're supposed to still lift each other up, regardless. Okay. Now, some people choose to look the other way. You know, that's happened to me in my life where it comes down to me being sent. And, you know, because... um, they couldn't get with what I'm, what I'm speaking about. It was like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to deal with you. I couldn't. What do you say to that? What do you say to that when you're doing what the Father told you to do? All you can do is be obedient to his word. That's it. Let's keep going. Verse 24. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from fouling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power and authority are his before before all time, in present and beyond all time. It says here in closing, Jude concludes with a glorious dialogue by pointing to the one who can protect you from stumbling. God is able to keep you from being duped by the deceptions of false teachers. He can keep you from being tripped up so that you stand before him without blemish and with great joy. No one is sinless. To be blameless means that whatever your failures are, they are sufficiently covered. And when you stand before God based on your commitment to the truth, he's going to declare that you look just right. The closing to him, be glory, majesty, power, and authority, is a reminder that God has the attributes, the position, and the legitimate right to get you through whatever challenges confront you and the moral decay in the world around you. God can and he will. God can and he will. It says here, Jude concludes, his book with a beautiful dialogue, inviting readers throughout history to join him as inscribing glory to God. In this passage, Jude took 
human weaknesses into account as something God can easily overcome. He also reaffirmed human destiny, that one day all people will stand before the Lord. These verses read like a strong, like a song. It, these verses read like a song that grows into a shout of triumph and praise. All for God, our Savior. God arranged for believers to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. He showed mercy to those who deserve to be crushed. God sacrificed his own son to purchase pardon for the whole world and for all who believe in the gospel. Now, Jesus' work makes it possible for believers to know and praise their holy God. Jesus gives believers hope and assurance that they will someday stand before God in righteousness without blame and with great joy. Jesus is the difference maker for all mankind. He is the lamb, the branch, the redeemer, the savior, the gate, the way, the living water, the light of the world, and the bread of life. He offers salvation to all who will accept it, and he is worthy of resounding praise forever. Get to know him. Get to know your father. The more you get to know him, the more you see. It's not a joke. The more you get to know him, the more you see. He is truly the light of the world. Go to John 4. John 4. We're going to conclude with John 4. Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Let's talk about it real quick, and then we're going to close out. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judah and returned to Galilee. He had gone through, he had to go through Samaria on his way. Eventually he came to the Samarian village of Sincher, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired of the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw, to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you will ask me and I will give you living water. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I will give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? And his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gizrim, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. 
When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left after the woman left her water her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, "Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah?" So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, "Rabbi, eat something." But Jesus replied, "I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him some food while we were gone?" The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, "My nourishment comes from doing the will." of God who sent me from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they have harvested is people brought into eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant, Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself said, that a prophet is not honored in his hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official by, by nearby Capernaum, whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judah to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you ever, will you never Believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of the servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judah. I'm going to stop right there. Listen, God is who he says he is. He wants us to get wisdom and understanding and to not forget or ignore his words. His words are what's written in this book. His words are life. The Bible tells us that there's life and death in the power of our tongue. When we're reading in the book of Revelation, it said that Jesus had a sword in his mouth, a sword in his mouth, that sword. It was his word. This word will not return void, okay? It's not. Even the writer of Proverbs was Solomon, the wise. Solomon wanted wisdom. We read it today. I believe it's in First Chronicles. He wanted wisdom. God would give us wisdom. He would give us understanding. He would give us knowledge. And he would give us the truth. He wants you to submit everything to him. What do I mean by submit? Surrender. Surrender everything, every aspect of your life to the Father and watch him turn things around in your favor. Understand the word of the Lord will not return void. Understand the word of the Lord is true. Understand this is the book before we go into Revelations is showing us and letting us know that there's two sides at the end of the day. There's wisdom 
and there's and there's foolishness. There's two. And you get to choose which one you do. But trust and believe your life will be a reflection of the choices that you make. So seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6, 33, and watch God show up and show out in your life in ways that you could have never imagined. And thank you guys for listening in to Inside Beauty Inspires. This has been another beautiful show. All, God, all glory be to God. I pray that you guys are getting led and fed by the Holy Spirit. I pray that you guys are allowing this word to penetrate your hearts. I pray that you allow God to come in and redirect things, move things out of the way, and put you on the path that you're supposed to be on. Again, thank you guys for listening. I have an amazing day on purpose. Peace. I'm ready to flow. I'm ready to move. The old is through. I'm in Papa's new bag and it's still got the tag, so you know that it's new. New mind, new heart. I got that. New start. New life. New day. It's my life. It's way. Right.